from St. John's Gospel, then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw, and he believed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good morning, friends. Small gathering, here we are. Simple country church. Good morning. My name is uh, Father Chris Rodriguez. I'm the rector here, and if you're visiting with us this morning for the first time, I suspect some of you are, Welcome. I'm really glad to see you here today. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? Amen. So here's the thing. When I have a sermon, I like to always, because I'm wickedly ADD and I lose my train of thought like a lot of people do, I like to always start my sermons with a question that I'm going to run through the entire time um, we're going to chat today. And the question this morning for this, it's been on my spirit all week. Here it is. What if life is not what it appears to be? You've heard that before, right? Things don't appear like the, to, to be. What if life isn't what it appears to, de, to be? Well, and the reason I bring this up is today is Easter. And I'll confess to you as a kid that I went to Easter and Christmas with my family sometimes. <laughs> uh, and I would sit in church on Easter and I would hear this story. It's just like you heard all these readings. I've heard them every year. And, uh, and quite frankly, I didn't really care. And it sounds kind of remarkable in hindsight to say that. I mean, but I just didn't really care. I never really thought about it. I never put A to B, the connection in place of what a profound thing the claims are on Easter Day. And I kind of ignored it, kind of went along because my parents made me. And, you know, let's face it, that's what you do on Easter Day. You go to church. And then I was a junior at Penn State, and I went to church on Easter Day, which is kind of remarkable in and of itself. But I was... uh, I was, in, I was at church at Penn State, where I was a, was a junior, and I heard the scriptures read again, yet again, and I paid attention to the hymns that I was trying to sing, and I thought to myself, this thought popped into my mind that never really had before, and I'm going to challenge you with it. What if this is true? I mean, seriously, what if this is true? What if this first century Jew from Nazareth rose from the dead. If that's true, (laughs) that changes everything. It has to. Or to say it another way, what if life isn't what it appears to be? You know, Christianity is about two things, and people think of them as one or the other. It's kind of both. About two things. We look at evidence and facts, right? Evidence both in Scripture and in how God works in our lives and in the lives of people around us. That's a huge part. But also, Christianity is not just an intellectual assent to, you know, assent to a truth claim. Christianity is about a changed life, how it changes your core, your guts. Cardia, heart, is the Greek word. So I'm going to do a dive on those two points today about Easter. What actually happened? Did it happen? Did some guy really rise from the dead? And if so, does that change the way we live? You with me? Two points, I'll remind you, because you'll forget like I would. Did it happen? And what does it mean for me and for you? So a couple things. I'm going to go quickly on this one. The resurrection, of course, is about Jesus Christ being raised, resurrected from the dead. Books and books have been written on this. I'll give you just two. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but one real thick one and a good one. N.T. writes The Resurrection of the Son of God. Great book. A shorter book and an easier read is The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel, if you don't know who he is, was an investigative journalist who set out to debunk Christianity once and for all. 
put those silly Christians to, to shame. And in the course of doing his research, he was converted to Christianity and is now a pastor of a church. Go figure. But it's kind of my story too, frankly. But I want to just give you two pieces of evidence, real simple and just sort of intuitive when you, when you think about it. I want to look to this morning at the types of people that were there. Who were the ones that God called to be the witnesses of this resurrection? And then look at what changed them. Let me, let me show you. So the Gospel of John says that early on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, Mary from Magdala, came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been rolled away. Now, if you don't know the New Testament, you don't know who Mary Magdalene is, lots is written about her, most of it wrong, fictitious. But Mary was like the very last, she's the very last person you pick as a star witness. It's like, hey, where's Jesse Smollett? Let's use him as a witness, right? I mean, sorry, that's not in my notes. Uh, but it's true, you would never use her. She's the wrong person for the job for a couple of reasons. She's a woman in the first century, and in, if you don't know this, in the first century, a woman's testimony was not considered valid, and they couldn't even testify in a court of law. So if you're going to pick someone who's going to be the first person you're, who's going to spot this, it's not going to be Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene? And it gets worse, because Mary Magdalene, we know in Luke's gospel, Luke tells us that Jesus cast out seven demons from her. Now, we don't know what those demons were. We don't know what they, how that manifested in her life, what she was doing. But everybody else there, you see, we don't know what, it's, what happened, what was going on, because the scripture doesn't tell us. But everybody else there did. I mean, she was a known quantity. She was the person that walks by the lunch table when you're at the lemon tree here, and everyone goes, look, there's that Mary. You hear about what happened? That's, that's what I mean. So not only is Mary Magdalene, uh, you know, unable to give testimony in the culture, in a patriarchal culture, she's also, she's got a reputation. She's damaged goods. And then there's John, the second guy. John. John. John, at this point, John, the other star witness, he's a kid. He's 16 years old, maybe. Just got his license, right? <laughs> I've been through this three times. You've been there. You know what it's like. Teenagers are not always the most, uh, how do you say this, uh, perceptive people in the world, okay? And they're certainly not someone who you're going to believe everything they tell you. And yet, here's the two star witnesses that Scripture gives you. A woman with a history and a reputation and a teenage kid. And the point I want you to see here, it just makes sense if you think through it, that if you're going to make this story up, why you would, I have no idea. But if you're going to make up the story of the resurrection, the very last people you use as your star witnesses are these two, Mary Magdalene and John. So the only reason you would use them and as their testimony as witness in Scripture, the only reason you would say it is if it's true. I will say this to you. No one, no one wants to be a sucker, right? No one wants to be the one who gets rolled and fooled. Uh, I was not raised as a Christian, if you don't know that. And so part of my hesitation about believing in Christianity was I didn't want to be a sucker either. I didn't want to, I didn't want to drink the Kool-Aid of all those religious people that I knew who were hopelessly naive and not nearly as smart as I was. I tell you, I was a prideful kid. Um, and it made me feel superior, and it made me feel sort of this smug contemptuousness towards, towards those Christian fuddy-duddies that I knew. And, and I kind of carried along that way until I was at, and before I went to graduate school, and I realized something, and I want to challenge you with this. If you're kind of wrestling with this question, 
what? I said to myself, what if I was, what if I was wrong? What if I was wrong? And I was. I know now. And what, it occurred to me, if you're going to be a skeptic, right? And that's where I kind of landed. If you're going to be a skeptic and you're going to be intellectually honest with yourself, if you're going to be a skeptic, you've got to be skeptical of your skepticism, right? I'm not playing games. This is what went through my mind. If you're going to be a doubter, ah, it can't be true. You've got to doubt your doubt. If you're going to be honest with yourself, if you're going to be intellectually consistent, See, here's the thing. If this really happened, if Jesus Christ really rose from the dead, and he did, I know now, man, that changes the whole story. That changes everything. You can't read the facts and just walk away like I did for a very long time and think, ah, so what? That's what Peter does, actually. He walks into the tomb, and he sees it and goes, oh, that's weird, and no reaction. Get that in a minute. But I want to also show you one more thing, and I'm going to move on from the evidence to how God changes us. This is what actually did it for me. If you know anything about the New Testament, you know that when Jesus was crucified on Good Friday, just three days ago, what happened to all of his followers? Everyone was cheering for him. Yeah! And then he gets nailed to a cross. He's defeated, right? Pontius Pilate says, here is your king of the Jews, right? Game over, man. We bet on the wrong horse. Seriously, that's what everybody thought. And if you read Scripture... People do what people do. They ran away. They scattered. They ran because they knew that if Jesus got whacked, they were next. You would do the same thing. So would I. If you, the person you fo followed you thought was a fraud and had been caught, you would ski-daddle too. You'd be out of there. But something happened. This is fascinating. This is what actually converted me. Something changed. Scripture is very clear. People ran in fear. But something changed. After the resurrection, Jesus appeared to his apostles, all 12 of them, and 500 people at one time, Paul says. And these cowards, these fearful people, became bold and fearless and unstoppable. They literally changed the world, if you know history. They claimed that they had seen Jesus alive. And all of the original apostles, here's what got me, every single one of them, except for John, was executed for saying it. Crucified upside down. That's how Peter bought it. Immolated, lit on fire. That's another creative way. Disemboweled and fed to lions. You know, the Romans were very, very creative with this sort of thing. Here's the question you got to really stop and think. Would, would people die for something they knew wasn't true? You know, men won't die for the truth frequently. I mean, men and women, I don't mean just men. People won't die for something they know is true. They certainly aren't going to die for something they know is false. Would you? I wouldn't. And so something changed in those Christians. And if you went back and asked them what changed, they would tell you, hey, we saw Jesus. We've seen him. And it happens even now. The only explanation that fits the facts on the ground, that fits the data, is that Jesus rose from the dead. Here's my challenge for you this morning. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? If you don't, I want to challenge you to be skeptical of your skepticism. I want to challenge you to doubt your doubt. I want to challenge you to have an open mind. Maybe, maybe life is not what it appears. That's my first point. Did it happen? Did Jesus really raise from the dead? And then secondly, how does this change people's lives 
for good. Let me show you something really cool here. Go back to the gospel text. We see John, Peter, John, and Mary, right? Sounds like a 60s band. Peter, John, and Mary. <laughs> they, they come to believe in the resurrection of Jesus, but in, in very, very, very different ways. It's right there. I mean, Peter, Peter, who I love, because he's a speak first and think later kind of guy. He's kind of erratic. He rushes into the tomb. Get out of the way, John. He pushes him aside, rushes into the tomb. It's right there. He says, he saw the grave clothes neatly arrayed. He sees the, uh, the, the, the vestment that Jesus had been buried in, and it's uh, described to be like a deflated balloon, right? No, nobody moved the body because the, the, the vestments just went, which is awfully weird. So Peter looks in, he sees the grave clothes deflated, if you will. He sees it, and he just wonders. On the other hand, that's Peter. On the other hand, John, the younger guy, the 16-year-old kid, he rushes in, it says right there, John rushes in, he saw and he believed, period. Notice this. Peter and John saw exactly the same things. They see an empty tomb with cloths laying there, deflated like a balloon. John is committed. He's convinced. Peter, eh, not so sure. And then we have Mary, the other one, the unlikely witness. She sees the same stuff, the empty tomb, the cloths laying there, deflated. She even, I find humor in this. I've preached on it before. She even, she's crying, wondering where her, she's there to, anoint Jesus' body for, for burial. And she's crying, thinks that someone has stolen his body. Her first reaction is not he is risen, but he is stolen, right? And I find humor in this, and it is funny. She's wondering what happened, and she looks at Jesus in the flesh. She thinks he's the groundskeeper. This, that's funny to me. I don't know, maybe it's just me. But, <laughs> and she says, where have, have you taken his body? So she sees, she even sees him, and she doesn't believe until something happens. He says to her, look at it, it's right there, Mary. So John sees, and he believes. Peter, not so sure. Mary, she doesn't believe either until God calls her by name. And, and the thing I want you to see here, and again, over the next couple of weeks in Easter season, we're going to be talking about this over and over again, John and Thomas. God reaches people in all different ways. So what kind of a, and here's a question for you, what kind of a Christian are you? What kind of a person are you? Are you a left-brained engineer? That's my wheelhouse, right? So, you know, are you a poet or a censor or a feeler? That could be your, where you are, I don't know. You know, we're all different. We're all different. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. Maybe you're like John. Maybe you just believe. My wife, Kathy, is like that. And so is my daughter, Amy, for that matter. Maybe you're like Mary. This is a biggie. Where your anxiety and your fear, what's happened to you in your past, what you've done, what's been done to you, maybe that blinds you. And the hurts and the struggles, the things, the baggage that you carry, you can't see it even though it's right in front of you. The death of someone you love maybe blinds you. Maybe you're the mother, I was thinking about this this morning, maybe you're the mother of a Ukrainian soldier who was killed by the Russians and your heart is hard. Maybe you're the mother of a Russian soldier whose, mother, whose son was carried by you, killed by a Ukrainian. People are different, man. 
Does that, and Mary, Mary doesn't see it until Jesus calls her by name. And here's my point. Friends, there are no, there are no coincidences in this life. None. Maybe some, the Lord will put all sorts of things in your path to show you, to draw your attention from him. Maybe you'll, I don't know, some guy, music from some great dude named Mozart. That's what we hear. That's, that's what they're doing over there. You know that, right? Maybe that will draw your heart towards God. I don't know. We're all different. All sorts of circumstances that draw us closer to him. So the point of all of this, again, is the same question. Here it is. What if life isn't what it appears to be? And the weird thing, which I find just another in God's great irony and sense of humor, is that even though he comes at us from all different ways, we all come to faith in slightly different avenues. Once he's got us, it's all the same. Because if the resurrection is real, if it really happened, and it did, friends, that changes everything. Because it means, listen, it means that death, it means that death has been defeated. I mean, as the choir is singing today, we're singing the hymns, read the words, man. Someone said that to me once. Read the words to the hymns. It's this whole theme of victory. Why? Because if Jesus Christ rose from the dead, then our ultimate enemy, the enemy of every person in this room, every human being, our ultimate enemy, the end of the line, death, has been conquered. And if that's true, that changes everything. That's a game changer. Let me ask you this. What did you, on your driving into work, school, school, work, church this morning, sorry, I work here too. <laughs> what, what did you, what did you, what did you worry about this morning on your way to, on your way to church or when you got up or last night when you were laying in bed and you couldn't sleep? What are the things that kind of keep you awake at night, your anxieties, your fears? Let me just challenge you to see this whole thing from another angle. The resurrection solves that problem. Because Jesus tells us that when he returns, we too, like he, shall be raised from the dead. And evil will be judged. All wrongs righted. Putin will have his day. Unless he's converted. All scores are settled. And listen, we will live with Jesus not floating on a cloud somewhere, but in a real physical heaven, a new Eden. And if that's true, that changes everything. Because it means the things of this world that concern us and that we fear, they don't really matter. This past summer, someone very, very close to me was very, very sick. And, uh, and it, was, it, was, it was close. And... Uh, People would say to me, Father, I can't believe how you're handling this. I cannot believe how you're able to even function. And I said, well, I know the end game. I know how the story ends. See, Jesus says this very thing to us in John 16, He says this, listen again. In this world, you will, not might, not could, will. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. That means be courage, be, be courageous, be fearless. I, Jesus, have overcome this world. See, friends, there is more to this life than meets the eye because there is more to this life than this life, you see. And that's what Easter shows us this morning, that Jesus is victorious. And that all the things that we worry about in this world, 
They really don't matter if we know the end game. All the sufferings of this life, as real and difficult as they are, I'm not minimizing it. We've all got stuff, right? But they're only temporary. And we know the end game. And if you lived your life knowing that, that would change radically how you live your life. So the fact is, one of the reasons you belong to a church, for example, is that you're among people who are living as people that believe in the resurrection. And we live in a future orientation where we wait for Christ to come and free us, that even in the midst of this life, even in the suffering of Ukraine, even in the challenges of your life, we can be bold, we can be fearless, not because we're naive, that's what I thought when I was a kid, not because we're, you know, like Ned Flanders from The Simpsons, oh, fiddly-dee, nope. We can be fearless because we know how the story ends, you see. Because we know how the story ends, that Jesus wins. And that you and I are with him. Shall we pray on this Easter, friends? Father, we thank you for the different ways in which you reach us in our individuality, in our different personalities, in our different strengths and struggles and weaknesses and fears. Lord, remind us that the resurrection changes everything. Help us to live a life of courage and fearlessness because we know the end game. We know that Jesus has conquered death. Give us the assurance of this truth. Help us to live our lives in joy and in victory. In his name. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.